Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out There is a uh, a hurricane coming. There sure is. To there Los sure Angeles. Is. First time in 80 years. Yeah, which does concern me. <laughs> I, Just because it's unique and it seems like one of those things like all of a sudden they'll be like, oh shit, this is going to be really bad. <laughs> uh, see, I'm taking the opposite tact of where like, well, I guess you didn't grow up with hurricanes, right? Not really, no. Yeah, so I grew up with them happening where I was basically like, we're going to be two days after it hit land. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's going to dump a bunch of rain here. I don't think the winds are going to be as strong because what it looks like is that it'll be more inland. But people are freaking out, like talking about getting water and stuff. It's like we're not in New Orleans and the levees are about to break, you know? Yeah, I, they are acting like that. My mom texted me like, are you hunkering down? And really, the, when I got concerned was when I saw they're evacuating Catalina. It's just kind of like, oh, shit, this might be a little more than I thought. Because I, I didn't even think it would make it here. Yeah, well, Catalina is an island. You know, it's an island. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. And it's a little further south than us. But it, it, it really is like you worry about, really, the only thing you worry about here, I guess, or Earth, well, when you moved out here, when we moved out here, over 15 years ago, it was about earthquakes. And I guess fires have kind of crept in. Yeah, they, they sure have. And now tropical storms. Mm-hmm. So uh, music speak music wise, <laughs> it has postponed the My Morning Jacket at the Hollywood Bowl show tomorrow night for me. So, well, and that takes it from a Sunday to a Monday. Yeah, that's yeah, not convenient. It's really <laughs> honestly Sunday's not super convenient either because yeah. both days you have to work the next day. And yeah, Monday I, might be better because it's kind of like you have something to look forward to. True, because Sundays, I kind of hate going to shows on Sundays because that's usually my night that mm-hmm. I'm like, the weekend's over, I mm-hmm. don't want to do anything. Like, I'm going to yeah. watch whatever show's on HBO and then I'm going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Probably eat. It's like the day that I eat whatever I mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. going to be some chocolate involved in bed. Yeah. And like an angry girlfriend <laughs> who's like, what is that stain? And I'm like, it's not, I'm like, sometimes I want to be like, it's shit. It's not an Amber Heard. (laughs) (laughs) But, but sometimes I think it might be better if I told her, you know what? It's a dookie stain. Oh, that's a shit stain. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not the chocolate I was eating last night that I eventually rubbed into the the white sheets. Don't scratch and sniff. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, on on that note, you are listening to Pod Gay Rock and Roll to you. And this week is a special week because it's just Neil and myself mm-hmm. talking about our band for the Kings and our brand new album, Turn It Off. Independently released, produced by Martin Cook, and all the songs written and performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. time coming i mean we did one 10 years ago 
maybe? 12? Yes, we did our first album, a collection of songs for the Kings, back in 2010. Hmm, 13 years. We ago. did an EP called The Band Played Own in 2017, I believe, which mm-hmm, is three songs. Mm-hmm. And then we did this album release this year. Basically, the seeds of this probably started a little bit after this podcast started. Yeah, well, we got back into music and recording music ourselves with the podcast. Um, We had recorded a 100 covers at that point, and uh, we figured we should, you know, put all that to good use. You know, I mean, the covers are fun, but um, you had a good bit of songs. Um, We have such a good time making music together, and... uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been about the past year and a half, um, what we started January of 2022. You know, the funny thing is when we started talking about this, probably would have been in 21. Yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm thinking about, I think we should do this. And then it was like, let's just take like the four best songs. And then it went to the six best songs, and then to the eight. And then I think we went up to 12 and it was like, all right, let's let's dial it back down to 10. Mm -hmm. A nice little number. And the idea from my perspective was once we figured out the songs, I think we had probably 20 that we were going to pick from, Mm -hmm. whittled it down to 12, then down to 10. Two of them we kind of were thinking about cutting down to eight. Yeah, I think I came back from the holidays and you're like, all right, let's get it on. We're doing this. Yeah. Um, And that's when you were like, we're not doing four. We're doing it all. (laughs) We're doing it all, man. We're going... Um, I wanted to tell a story about uh, somebody kind of getting out of a relationship, hitting rock bottom, and not hitting rock bottom, but just going through that kind of hazy period where you don't know why it ended, or you know why it ended, but you don't know what you're mm-hmm. doing and what, how it's going to move forward, and then meeting somebody else, and then kind of finding stability somehow, and we had the songs to do that, yeah. to kind of tell that story. Yeah, and it's a classic theme. I mean keep it simple like what what album isn't about that really yeah basically <laughs> basically and then we you know the next big thing was to find a producer which from our first album we reached out to our producer frank charlton and and he mentioned that his roommate at the time we recorded the first album who had done some mixing and maybe some engineering on some of the songs there uh, was still in los angeles so we reached out to martin cook he was up for it and he liked the songs and he was willing to do it which we thank him tremendously because honestly anybody that's heard the record is like it sounds fucking awesome yeah 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 and he's very easy to work with he was a big part in uh, getting it all done someone who knows what they're doing knows what we need to do can take the songs and turn them into an actual product that was a great experience And I think the other thing that was beneficial for us is having, because as independent artists, like obviously we never, you know, signed a a record deal or anything like that. Maybe that's because our music's not good enough. Maybe it's because, you know, we didn't catch the breaks. Maybe we didn't make any breaks for ourselves. Maybe, who knows? A lot of different things. Hmm. But this time I think you and I went in because we had worked on these songs for, or had thought about them enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beforehand we kind of knew what we needed to do to make them better and we had more of an idea of what we wanted the, the it, this was more of our project this yeah, was yeah. i think the first time that you and i did something that was like this is what we want yeah 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 ironically it took us 13 years to do that um <laughs> but yeah no it was uh, super cool the first one um, we had a lot of help the second one was mostly already established band songs 
And this one was just an empty slate, empty canvas um, that we had uh, plenty to fill it up. But, you know, it took a lot to arrange the songs. It's it's one thing to have a song written. Yeah. It's another thing to um, be ready to record it and know what you want from the drums, the bass, uh, extra stuff, keyboards, myriad of guitars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the one thing is, uh, is, is when I, I think you might have said this after we'd recorded everything you were like every song has like a ripping guitar solo on it like mm -hmm. should we have thought about like you know maybe maybe keyboards here maybe like a horn here but then we thought of further and we're like yeah look the band is like me singing and you playing guitar so it makes yeah, sense yeah yeah it, it's it's a showcase of what we do and it would have been cool to uh, mix it up a little bit but again that just takes more effort and uh and money composition and money <laughs> and like you could try something that oh this would be cool with the sax then you hear it and you're like no it's not <laughs> <laughs> well especially if, yeah if you don't have the look money and time money gets you time mm -hmm. and musicians yeah, to yeah. do extra things. So unless you're kind of a multi-hyphenate musician that can come in and, and do all that stuff, then you know we did what we wanted to do with the songs, and the fact that they all have ripping guitar solos, mm -hmm. we don't think is a is a negative. No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> so. Basically, once we had Martin on board, we needed a bass player and a drummer. I reached out to an old musician friend named Leanne Skoda, uh, who actually did a co cover of Betty Davis Eyes for us on this podcast a yes, long time ago. Yes, she did. A very good cover. Go back into the archives and find it and listen. And she introduced us to a bass player named Corey Tremontelli and a drummer named Kevin Brown. And although we did not know them, they knew in each other, which was uh, turned out to be uh, important. Yeah, you want a rhythm section that has uh, some cohesion to it. And they were they were into it. They liked the songs. We had a couple of rehearsals with them. We brought in our old keyboard player that used to play with us and yeah. played on the EP. Mike Rusick. Yeah, he's been on the pod as well. Who was also a mm -hmm. guest, yes. He did a couple of covers, I think, of White Christmas and... Sample in a jar. Sample in a jar. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and, and maybe uh, Croce as well. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. So Mike, Mike has been involved with the podcast and did a great job on the albums. And, then, you know, we, we got a couple rehearsals. We had two days in the studio at Dave's room in Burbank. Mm -hmm. And then we had overdubs at Martin's place mm -hmm. in Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock. And so I would say, like, total days actual recording less than 20 yeah no i mean the impressive thing about the whole project is the bang we got for our buck like um you know we are not, i mean we do this podcast but musicians and being a musician isn't what we do it's it's more of a hobby so we yeah. had to fill in the gaps and try to make this work um and the fact that we had two rehearsals um and did this whole album with such limited rehearsals that that's why it did take a lot of uh just collaboration between you and i to kind of make sure everything was ready every time we got in the studio or we were going to um track stuff that we were ready to go in and nail our part and get in get out uh but yeah we it it went pretty quick we um even martin was like god you guys 
so easy to work with, which I don't know if that's exactly what you want to hear all the time from a producer. (laughs) It's good. It means you prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it means. And you're not a pain in the ass. And you're not a pain in the ass, uh, which we're not. We're not assholes. I mean, I can be. Neil is not an asshole. But the the whole kind of process was so much smoother. And we'd also done it before. So it's not like we were coming in for the first time with blinders on. Like we knew. And when you do have a job and you're doing this and you're basically getting off work at five and then driving an hour and a half in traffic to Eagle Rock to Mm -hmm. put down vocals on like two songs, you better fucking be ready to do those two songs. So you don't, so you're not having to do that again because it's time. Yeah. Which, which it really is tough. I mean, because music is so temperamental. The fact that we did get in there and really hit our parts when we needed to, because if you go into the studio and you're just not feeling it that day, like, what are you supposed to do? It's like, yeah. like, because a track can be the difference of like tenfold. If you're feeling it and not, like, you can hear that on the record. So, yeah, I, I, I believe Good Morning, I, I had to just, we were doing takes and he was just like, you don't have it tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. sorry, man. Like, yeah. you just, we're going to have to, you're going to have to come back and do this another day. And it is what it is. A bunch of these songs we had played live as a band for years. But a lot of them we finished putting together or in fine tuning over a good, a solid eight months to a year. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, so like we were, it's not like we were coming in not knowing exactly what we wanted from these songs. Yeah, we we knew mostly mostly what we wanted. I mean, there is a big difference between playing um, songs uh, at a bar, a um, couple beers deep, and whatever. That sound great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, there's a difference between that and putting it on a record. The the difference is when you're playing at a bar, and you had a couple drinks in, you're like, and you have you know, cute girls looking at you or whatever, and you're like, killing it tonight, bro, and like <laughs> shitty monitors, and you just think you sound great. Once you get into the studio and you can hear yourself and like every single note needs to be what you want it to be, that's when like the magic of like recording music yeah. really happens. So why don't we just go do a quick little run through of each song on the album? Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of mm-hmm. do a little, a little, we'll just go through. So if anybody who's listening cares enough, you can always come back to this and, and realize, man, I really love that song. I wonder what, what happened there. Uh, so the first song of the album is called Please Stand By, but it's basically a part a part of this man, which is the mm-hmm. second track on the album. It is only there because we wanted to put a beginning onto Heart of This Man. Yeah, just to set up the album. Out of the Gates, just Heart of This Man has a very unique beginning, which would have worked as the first song. But um, yeah, Please Stand By, just a classic kind of quick half a minute track, which, you know, I was happy you asked me to just come up with something musical to kind of start the album, which I went through many different iterations. And it it turned out really cool. It's a very simple, very classic kind of sounding um, start and riff. Are you playing acoustic or are you playing just light electric on there? Um, acoustic, it starts straight up acoustic, okay. and then the electric comes in with the band. Yeah, and the decision made to separate the tracks was kind of, we, we discussed with the producer, it was like, he's like, well, if you want to submit the track to playlists mm-hmm. or for placement in a commercial or something, they probably don't want this 30 minutes, 30 seconds of 
yeah, yeah. dead time. Mm-hmm. So and he, and when we were mixing it, he was like, "We can mix it to where it, we're it's going to come in at the same time you'd want it to if it was one track." Yeah. So that was kind of like, okay, well, why wouldn't we do that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it, it, it turned out good. It, it's a fun little song. I mean, the best compliment um, I got on it was uh, my stepdad, Frank Palumbo, was just like, he was pissed that it ended. He's like, man, I wanted that to keep going. Please stand by. I'm still standing by. <laughs> well, you're standing by for that opening lick to Heart of This Man, which is a song that that I wrote probably 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was loosely based on a relationship you were in when I met you. Yeah, yeah. And when I brought that to the band, this was when we were really playing a lot. And I don't rem- I don't know if you remember how you came up with that beginning. I don't know if we worked that out as a band or you like went home and came up with something. But that was a song we worked on as a band with Andy Johnson and Miles Matheson and Jonathan Horton, uh, mm-hmm. former host. We're all part of that. And Mike as well. And we worked on that for months before we ever played it live. Because when I brought it in, it was just... Junk, 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 yeah, you know, yeah. sit down, let me tell you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I worked on that uh, at home and brought it back. Because it is a very, um, it's not complicated, but um, it's it's specific. It's a, really, it's a really fun way to start the song. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the solo, when we played it live, there was always kind of a almost chicken-picking aspect to it that I always loved. It was very honky-tonk in a bar mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. fucking some bumfuck town where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. And I always love that kind of music. So we, I, I do like that we kept that in. And I think you kind of came to me and were like, hey, can you throw in? What did you say? You were like, can you throw in like a, yeah. You know, uh, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> you want, I feel like you wanted me to throw in something else as well. And I was yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I did not. And that was the spirit. I did not want a yeehaw. You wanted that yeehaw spirit. And I think, you know, that song we kind of brought into the album fully formed i think the only changes we made were that we split up the second verses Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we did like a solo and then chorus and then verse and then a stop on the final chorus Mm -hmm. and then boom and then out simple yeah yeah it turned out good it uh it's definitely the best iteration of the song we we made some changes we polished it up um we kept the chicken picking which i tried to change a few times um, you, you, <laughs> yes, you strong you armed me back into it, <laughs> and uh, it turned out really cool because that, that specific kind of playing, I don't really. That's not really what I do. I mean, it is funny. Like I, I am very. I have a lot of country and blues in my playing, but that kind of style I don't play too often. But I'm really proud of that little, just all the guitars in that song. Absolutely. Second song, the well, the, the third track is called "Forget About You," which was a song that this is one of the ones on the album that like I wrote this like acoustic years ago, sent it to you. You loved basically the original like acoustic version that I sent you, mm-hmm. and every time I played it after that, you were like, "Nope, that's not what you were doing in that one <laughs> version." And we and we kind of we played this as a band for a while too, and we kind it was kind of along the lines of like you know, chubab chubab. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, you know yeah. that that kind of Motown, you know, swaying, and I even think Martin took it out, but it, we had that that little ching. No, it well, it's still I'm still doing the little like bump bump. 
I'm still, uh, yeah, it's it's prominently in The bump bump is still yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's got an old school feel. And honestly, when we were thinking about, this was one of the songs we were thinking about cutting, and I'm glad we didn't, because we made one little change, which was, or two changes. We had it before where it was saying, forget about you multiple times after each chorus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we cut that down to only the very last chorus we repeat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we moved the, the solo to where it just hits instead of like wading through another bar yep. of just playing and then going to the solo. And it just sped up the song enough mm -hmm. to make it not boring. Yeah, we cut out all the fat. It has such strong roots. The song is really cool. And from the get-go, when you sent it to me, I always thought it sounded like old school, almost bluesy. I, it made me, it reminded me of Greg Allman, just because it was it was in a waltz as well. And yeah, it sounded very just muscle shoalsy. And the first time you sent me the acoustic version of the song, what ended up on the album is exactly what I envisioned the whole time. So that's... Yeah, I think awesome. I think that brought, this ended up being one of my favorite tracks, and it's funny because at the beginning it was definitely one of the tracks I was like, we should just cut this one and not focus on it. Yeah, and it was the practice. One of our two rehearsals, we played that. We we're like, damn, okay. <laughs> I think that during, it was during the rehearsal we were like, let's just move the so let's put the solo right here, mm -hmm. and it hit. It makes it so much more impactful. And then you kind of move along to the third song, which is New Beginning, which is one of the first songs that you and I ever worked on together. Uh, it was a song that I wrote, and like I think we were in your place on Rialto like probably 15 years ago. And I was like, yeah, I got this song, and I was just kind of you know doing my chunk and chunk, mm -hmm. and you were like, dude, just drive. It was at dum, your dum, place, dum, and there was dum, definitely dum, Bama on the TV. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I specifically remember. Because um, that one... Um, is directly, um, we can name an influence. Uh, we were listening to the My Morning Jacket album, um, Evil Urges. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, the smoking from shooting, like the bump, bump, bump. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you had that song, and I was like, Let, let's just try this like uh, quick, kind of bassy just uh, technique on it. Yeah, and this is one of the songs that, like, when we were in post production, I was just like, God, this song sounds like I wrote it when I was 25, you know, and I did. You're, um, you're so self-conscious about that. Even at the the show we just played, you like were like, yeah, I mean, the lyrics, like, I wrote a long time ago, so don't judge me. <laughs> One, two, three, four, hit it, fellas. <laughs> yes, we just played a release party, and uh, and this song, you know, it rocked. I've always loved your solo on, the, on, this, on this song, and I like the build, and I do love, because this was one of the first times just in my songwriting where I wrote an actual bridge mm -hmm. that was good mm -hmm. and kind of mm -hmm. stood out in the song. Yeah, it's one of those songs where like you're you can't wait to get to the bridge because it is it's very easy, simple and effective. It's just like you you know it uh, people it they're not gonna turn their heads, but it just it you don't see it coming, but it sounds perfect. Yeah, it's one of those where you're not like oh my god, did you hear what they just did? But you're like mm. you do you may make the face, you may scrunch up a little bit. Mm. Uh, and then we get to the next one, which is one of the ones that we basically kind of put together in the eight months of prep. Like I had pretty much a, or maybe two verses in the chorus that was on one of our first acoustic sessions with Frank, but I had never, and I'd always enjoyed the idea of the song, but it never finished it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really cool song. I mean, I, I forgot it was on Saki sessions, but it's always been one of my favorite favorites because it's uh it's very unique. It's not a love song. 
it touches on a lot of religion, but it's not like it's, you know... It's not a hymn. No, it's not a hymn. It's not Christian rock, that's for sure. <laughs> it's not um, Petra Praise, baby. But uh, it's really cool. It's uh, And uh, another um, accolade from my family, this song makes my mom cry. Because <laughs> she's just like, yeah. Oh man, she's like, oh, I'm an atheist too. No, <laughs> no, the exact opposite. That, that's Kidding. what I'm saying, though, because like my mom is not an atheist and just loves what you're saying about like Jesus with his head in his hand. Just all, you know, it's because it's kind of, it's not anti-religious. It's just kind of no. there. It's, it's kind of like Jesus and Muhammad, and they're they're all just uh, they're all just as confused as we are. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, that's funny that you say that about your mom because my sister actually said she goes, "I actually like the one where you're talking about the religious stuff." And my sister is not an atheist, very Christian. And I was just like, "Really?" I was like, "You know, I'm not really like boosting up Christianity." She goes, "I know, but I just I enjoy." It. And this was a song that uh, we talked about this in the pod a lot, but. We had to add a bridge. This was that was one of the things. It's like okay, well, we gotta put a bridge and a solo in here somewhere mm-hmm, to break mm-hmm. up because it ended up with like the four verses and the chorus. And it was like that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then I think we wanted like a. I think you might have come up with the. You were like, well, I'm feeling like a, like almost like a Dick Dale surf rock kind of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, spaghetti western kind of. Yeah, I mean it. That could sound cheesy from time to time if you don't do it right, but I think we sprinkled just enough on there, and it it, it makes sense with the song, the tonality. You pull out some Dick Dale, you pull out some Sergio Leone, and oh yeah, oh yeah, or, or Morricone. Sorry, he did that. <laughs> uh, he did he did this score. Um, don't don't at me, film nerds. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I'm I'm super glad that we ended up finishing this song and putting it on there. Like the words of God. The next song, Love the Revolution, because this is a song that, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure, it's Sex on Fire, not a Kings of Leon song I love, mm-hmm. but when I came up with it, when I wrote this, like, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the chorus, I mm-hmm. was just like, God, this kind of sounds like Sex on Fire. <laughs> and I've never thought that, but yeah, just that, that for that love. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> but it's, it's completely different. No. Yeah, and and this one was fun because this was probably the one you and I worked on the most to to finish because I had a verse and a chorus and really all I had uh, melodically was the love like a revolution uh-huh. and even that was still kind of slow and dull uh-huh. but there was something there and I think you were like come over let's just play it at some different uh-huh. beats yep, and different yep, yep. styles. And I think you you did a disco beat, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. started playing it to that. And I think your wife walked in. She goes, "What was that y'all were playing?" And we were like, "I don't know, but it's got the seeds, baby." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we we kind of did that, and that kind of took the song to another level of like, okay, this is much better than it was. And now let's cut out some some stuff because mm-hmm. I had the same chord progression for the pre-chorus and the chorus, mm-hmm. and then we started fucking with that. Mm-hmm. And then you and Aaron were playing around with it. And you were mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. let's go to the E7 here and and break it up in the chorus before you kind of resolve it. Well, yeah, the big chord was the F sharp minor 7 before the G. Yes. That's the one that really kind of, it's just a fun little change. And um, yeah, Aaron Renner, our friend, helped me come up with that. 
It's a very Beatles move. Yeah. Which is never a bad idea. <laughs> I'm never going to say no to that. And then, you know, that helped. And then even like on the, on the, when we were in the studio before the solo, you get the one, two, three, four that I did mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. look, got my Springsteen on mm-hmm, and was mm-hmm. able to do that. And you guys liked it enough and it wasn't cheap. Y'all were convinced me it wasn't cheesy yeah, to been, keep it in. I've been waiting 15 years for you to get your Springsteen on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And then the double chorus at the end is because that song in particular, it's all about the chorus. It's it's such a strong chorus that song. It's undeniable. Well, that's why we decided that that would that was the single of the album. It was the first song we really sent out to anybody or put out on uh, Spotify and the streamers. Mm-hmm. And that that well, and that's considered basically the midpoint. So if you consider the first couple songs, you listen to the content up to that. It's somebody who has gotten out of a relationship and is really searching for what is going to happen next. And then from here on, we get Leanne Skoda to come in and do pretty much a duet on the next song, Good Morning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a song that I wrote, I don't know, probably around the time when we were doing the, the, the EP because I just had a thought of like waking up next to somebody and, and, and wrote it off of that. I feel like she came in and really just add, made the song a lot better than it is, but or just added an element to it that kind of comes not necessarily out of nowhere on the album but no but it comes in heavy it's her when she comes in it's really beautiful it's it's one of my favorite parts of the album and just you guys harmonize so well together the duet was a great idea um to do it that way and for her to just come in and um crush it the way she did uh, yeah we're very happy with that and she really did i mean she she came into the studio and was just like boom 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 got it i'm i'm out and the only pro- the only thing we had was what do we do? Do we harmonize all the time? Do we go? And then it kind of came to, and I think this was her instinct was, I should do the third verse, and then we just go together on the final on, from the bridge on. Mm-hmm. And that was another one where the bridge was just kind of thrown in. I do really like how the bridge came out. It's very simple, mm-hmm. it, very short, but it, it's just like a little tag before you're gorgeous solo that you uh that you nailed in the studio without any overdubs yeah it was the only one that i nailed in the studio i mean we weren't there for long we weren't there to do guitar solos necessarily (laughs) at that point and one of the um the best moments of the whole process when our producer when i did it we were listening to it and he was just complimenting it was like wow i gave me chills and just anyone anytime anyone says my guitar playing gives them chills it's amazing but when it's your producer uh Oh yeah, it's a little oh, yeah. extra. They're, they're definitely a kudos. Whenever we would listen to it on playback, he'd always go, "Ladies and gentlemen, Neil." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Can you see what the day may bring? And so then you move on to "Beautiful Bride," which was a song I wrote for my buddy's wedding years ago, which was strange um, because, and I was like, "Dude, this is from your perspective, not mine." But in this album, it is. It's mm-hmm. from the perspective of the person that uh, that has met the person they want want to marry, and, and you know it's a pretty straightforward song. I I, I, remember, I think I came to you one time and I was like, God, I got this like thing in my head. It's like, see where the night goes, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Do something with it, yep. and and this is where it ended up. This was pretty much done as well. This song. 
It was, but um, we did a lot with it. I mean, I ended up playing it in an open tuning with a capo on seven. Has a, the acoustic guitar on it. Has a very kind of old school Jackson Brown or Crosby, Stills, Nash sound to it. But it is. It's a very fun, upbeat song. It's it's a song that um, we gave it some balls because it is very just like very happy. Like, oh yeah. In the wrong hands, it could it, it could have uh, yeah, been. And cheesy. honestly, when we played it at the release party the other day, it it, it rocked. It was it was very good. And I, I do think there's a different element to this song live. Mm-hmm. Pointing out your Jackson Brown thing, it is like you definitely got your Jesse Ed on in the mm-hmm. solo. Like it's a very Jackson Brown esque. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite so- uh, solos on the album. I mean, maybe just for its simplicity, maybe my favorite one because it is. It's just so it's major. Actually, I was I was channeling. I was trying to channel uh, Marshall Tucker Band in, oh, that, nice, in that yeah. solo. Just very kind of <laughs> just dig in, turn it up, dig in, hit some bends. Um, but yeah, I, I I can actually listen to that solo on repeat. Yeah, what I love you want to do? <laughs> uh, and then we move on to like a song that I had always played around you. Uh, it feels like home, but I had always had it in a minor key, and you're always like, yeah, it's fine. And I had always loved it because I loved the lyric. I just always thought it was very sweet. I, I did not have it completed. Um, there were lines in here that I, I love a lot. Like, you know, when I was cold, I found warmth in your feet. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plunging further, getting harder to breathe. Your suffocating sensuality. Like, all of that stuff. And then you were like, well, why don't just change the major? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stop trying to like doom doom and I had like a kind of a like a rollicking like dunga junga jung junga jugga jugunga jug and you're like mm-hmm. let's just play it straightforward. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does it, it helps because when it goes to that minor in the chorus, it hits mm-hmm. a lot a lot stronger and it's not like a sad minor, it's like it's still Yeah, it's it's a strong minor. Um Yeah, it, it turned out really good. It's one of my favorites. Um it's very uh at least from my part, it was very Stones influenced. It has oh, a yeah. very kind of exile sound to it, or that's what we're going for. And yeah, it. Uh, I loved uh, what we did with it, um, and even the chorus where we do go to that minor. I mean, it was really fun to finally, as a musician and a guitar player, one of my favorite bands of all time is Derek and the Dominoes, and just what we did in the chorus with like the slide and just a high up guitar like two guitars just going way up on the neck yeah. playing really loud but also it kind of weaving into what you're doing it it does it's not too much but it's very powerful yeah and, and it's also a song that you know i like it because there is no solo mm-hmm. it's really just you kind of getting in where you can mm-hmm. and weaving into the to the to the fabric of the song and again leanne was was nice enough to lend her gorgeous voice to the song and that really added another element to it, and it just—it's just a really nice song. And and there was another one that the lyric was not finished, but when, when while we worked on it, figured out like as we were figuring out what the song was, I was able to finish the mm-hmm. lyric. And, and with the, I had always had this see the girl in a white dress running through a field, and I I used to it used to say her papa's on the porch step, and then I I sent it to a friend of mine. She's like. I love the lyrics of the song, but where the why the fuck is her papa on the porch step? <laughs> papa. And I was like, okay, here here are the kids on the porch step. That makes more sense because uh-huh. now you're moving into mm-hmm. you got married. Mm-hmm. Now you're having kids. Now there's a sense of stability. Then we move on to the like I what I when 
when I send this song to playlists because that's kind of how you have to get played now is you send to Spotify playlists to put it on there so people yeah. that you don't know will listen to it. And I send him this song and I'm like, I'm like, okay, so this is Sadie and this is the most like epic song, you know, like this mm-hmm. is like the climactic song of mm-hmm. our album because it's a song that I honestly think that I drunkenly wrote one night thinking about like the the woman that helped raise my dad in the Mississippi Delta in like the 50s so Mm -hmm. a black woman that was a very important part of my dad's life that I'd heard stories about that of course my racist grandma probably treated terribly but was probably Mm -hmm. her best friend uh, in in later years so I did want to write something that was sweet uh, about this woman and it's just very simple two chords and then you kind of when I played it for you you kind of took it with the band and developed this and just turned it into something completely like epic you know from like an acoustic two chord song to something completely different yeah and when we started this um even when it was four songs like uh, i've been wanting to record this since i first heard it 10 years ago it was my only stipulation like whatever we're doing we're doing sadie and even (laughs) then you were still like what okay but i don't know yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, sure. Um, I was just like, trust me, trust me. Um, and it, it turned out um, exactly how I wanted it. Because it is just two chords, but the beauty of it is the melody of it is so cool. And just the parts where you go the, to the merry-go-round. Like, there's there was, di- there was inherent dynamics in the song, even though you might not have noticed it. There's a lot going on there, but most of it's based on your m- melodies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just repeating those. Like, a lot of what I did on guitar was just taking your vocal melody and then breaking it apart throwing it back together coming up with different guitar parts even the the end we recorded this song and i didn't even i still didn't know exactly what i was going to do with it but when we went to the studio i was like just leave me like 10 bars at the end i'll figure it out yeah i remember because the the kevin and Corey and martin were just like all right let's just keep going just do this just do that just do this at the end martin was just like uh i gotta give it to you man i did not know what you were gonna do for the about this song but it sounds great and and you know leanne again kind of came in and helped out to add a little bit just to back me a little bit in points where it was needed and even doubled those at some points especially in the outro and it's just it just was a really kick-ass song i think that this and heart of this man are probably the two best sounding songs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from top to bottom on the album. Just if you look at the whole package of dynamics, lyric, just as as a song that I want to listen to. Yeah, I think those yeah. are the two songs on the album that are kind of stand up out a little bit above the rest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we listen to it a lot, and depending on our mood, like <laughs> different songs hit you on different days. But um, that's true. Yeah, Sadie, I mean, just one example of me using your vocals, uh, vocal melody. When I was figuring out what to do at the end, um, one of the harmonized guitar parts, it it took me a while to figure it out, but just going back, we'd been playing it for 10 years, and then probably the night before I went into track, I figured out, like, just play really heavy, the take my life... Like all of the solos are based on pieces of your vocal melody. Ah, I never put that together. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a uh-huh. musical novice. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is I remember we, we played all the songs through at the first rehearsal and Corey was like, so what's that song about? Because you're talking about milk dripping. 
take my hand, little girl. Like asking a girl to take your hand because you'll be a man someday. I'm like, it's Southern Gothic, Corey. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) And then we we close the album with a song that you wrote uh, years ago behind like a a really cool guitar part that you had written. And you were like, hey, come up with some words for this. And it's a very simple song. I've always enjoyed it. We used to play it as a full band, I think. I don't know who wanted to do it acoustic. Was it you or me? I think I think I did. Um, at that point, we hadn't gone over it with the band. Back to like we only had two rehearsals, and it was kind of like it's like let's not throw more on the plate of the whole band and producer. Let's yeah. just keep this simple and do it kind of laid back and like you know all the different tracks and what do we want here, what do we want there. It was just good to take one song and just kind of strip it down. And it's you know it's it, it's played to to like sound like we're sitting on our porch on a porch you know playing the song it's our porch rock song right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so the nature of it was let's just get it live in one take so this was one that we you know this is we went into the studio did like 20 takes Mm -hmm. we had it then you were like fuck this martin and i were okay with it and you were like i don't like it i'm just gonna record something at home Mm -hmm. and i'll send it to you yep yep, and then josh you just do a vocal over it Mm-hmm. And then let's just compare the two. And Martin and I still leaned with the live one, but it's your song, so yeah, yeah. we went with your choice, which is what you guys hear. The the differences were very nominal. Um, just the one I did at home um, just had a little more, um, little more finesse for my part, and I was happy. I ended up recording it, which I didn't when we did it live. But the part you hear on the album was played on the very first guitar I ever bought when I was 15 in like 1993. So it's almost a 30-year-old guitar. So it was really cool to end the album with the first musical instrument I ever bought. So uh, that was nice. Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds lovely, Neil. Well, <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a nice little nugget to end on. So on that note, we are going to play a song from our new album. Turn It Off by For The Kings. You can stream it anywhere. Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music. CD Baby. Title. Is it on Title? I I, I assume so. I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we are going to play the first song on on the album, and it is called Heart of This Man.
song you just heard was Heart of This Man uh, by For the Kings on their new album Turn It Off. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Neil's week and we will be discussing Better Now by Post Malone. Can't wait! <laughs>